Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to this very, very special edition of the Anyone for Seconds podcast. It is our best of 2022 podcast. Now, my name is Dave, and provided I've synced this correctly and everything else, and we're like good at technology, over there, I'm pointing, he can't see me, but over there is... An extended silence. This is Matt. Hi, Matt. How how's it going? Are you well? Yes, I am good at technology. You are not. Yes, no. We've we've already established this on other episodes, but yes, you are quite correct in that. In that sort of instance. Indeed, and I wanted to correct your title based on my 2022 reflection. This is not the best of 2022. This is the least worst of 2022. <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So set your expectations. Good, good. So for those of you who haven't listened before, this is part of our third anniversary celebrations. Three. I'll say it again. Three. Three. It's a magic number. Three. Three. Magic number. So we do what every other website, video, podcast, you name it, everybody does it this time of year. We thought fuck it, we'd do it as well. Except we do it with a twist. We do it with media that we have consumed in that year, in which it doesn't necessarily have to include stuff that came out in 2022. If you go back and listen to previous episodes, you'll hear that one of Matt's films of the year, in, I want to say, 2020 or 2021, Michael Mann's Heat. I believe that was 2020s or 2021s, and that was highlight of the year. And I think the other film from that year... I chose was Vice, which was three or four years old at that point as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I made I made more of an effort this year, and I failed anyway. Oh no, you you've probably done about as well as I have then, because oh, just just on the whole, in general, twenty twenty two, I I struggled, I struggled to find stuff. How about you? So tiring. Yeah, I just. Even thinking about 2022 was tiring. So uh, we'll be over, we'll be like starting and finishing this within 15 minutes. It's going to be record pace because there's not really going to be too much to <laughs> to elaborate on. Well, we're going to try and make it worthwhile. I think the last one we did was about two hours, but we'll see if we can reach that, that peak by the time I've edited this. You'll know, dear listener, by the time this is out and it's on your podcast feed and you go, why is it only like 30 minutes long? It's because we struggled. <laughs> it's because we talked for 10 minutes and then we had a 20-minute drum solo. Damn straight, damn straight. It's better than a bass solo, so I'm told. Well, come on, talk us through it. Where are we starting? Are we starting with movie, the hoovy, hoovy, hoovy films? Music? Or what's the other one? Video games of games of videos. Well, I think... Generally speaking, we always start with movie films up front every single time. So, shall we continue with that onward tradition? Yeah, we're not we're not breaking the mold here. We just want to get through this as quickly as possible. <laughs> you might want to. I want to take my time and really explore things. That's not happening based on my notes. <laughs> you have notes. I'm impressed. I have Wikipedia pages open, which is all the notes I need. So, did you want to go first, or shall I go first? Well, I call them notes. They're more scrollings of a madman. But then I, I want to hear these scrollings of a madman. Give me your first pick. 
Right, the first pick is like I had to rewatch this film during the week to make sure. Oh my god. Because at the time I was like, that was great. And then I've thought about it all year and I've gone, was it? Was was I just <laughs> caught up in hype and things? Or or was it not a good film? And I had to do a rewatch and I confirmed, yeah, it's a pretty solid film. Uh so I one of my picks of twenty twenty two is The Batman. Yes, I knew this would come up. Yes. Fucking Batman. It almost didn't, because I hadn't watched it since cinema, and it was it was literally I was thinking, so you'd film it, but then I remember it being three hours long. But then I remember it not feeling like three hours. But then I thought, ooh, on a rewatch, would it feel like three hours? Is it just the initial viewing at the cinema was so great that it would not hold up to repeat viewing? So I had to actually watch it. Uh, one evening this week after work so I did it on a remote working day finished my remote working had 15 minutes you know to to do the three S's uh, <laughs> grab, grab a bit of food and then I watched three hours of The Batman just to make sure specifically for this recording that it should hit my top list of top things and it does f- for two standout reasons Okay. Reasons one, the Blues Brothers chase sequence in the police station. <laughs> yeah, that that chase sequence is a very strong sequence, to be fair. Uh, we should probably say for anybody listening to this, there will be spoilers, so listen forward at your own risk to to everything, because we're not getting in any skip or time stamps so if you if you want if don't want spoilers turn off now and we'll, we'll you can listen to us next time otherwise buckle in buckaroo well you're not editing this one bear that in mind so i may well do that but we'll see how i feel on the day <laughs> i think it'll be too much work so that that's my opinion so anyway essentially batman's in a police station with his mate gordon and the chief of police or the, the current commissioner is a dickhead, as is everybody in the police force, and he wants to have Batman arrested, and Batman's like, no, fuck you, I'm Batman. So he punches Gordon and then runs away through the police station to which you get a sequence, Blues Brothers style, of all the police going, hot, 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 and sprinting <laughs> through st- stairs and falling over each other. And I'm like, how many police are in this building, and why are none of them out on the streets of Gotham's? There must have been like 20, 30 different police officers just piling after Batman, to which he then climbs to the top of the police station via stairwells and then jumps off the top and completely balls his up a, a landing. Um, but it's just that little moment. I went, huh, Blues Brothers. So that's reason one, number one why I like this film. Okay. Reason number two is the Batmobile sequence. Ah, so, yes. Okay, yeah, okay. No, that's completely fair. That's completely fair. Normally in the films, the Batmobile is a big deal and they tend to tease it, sort of going, look at how badass this is, can't wait to see it badass later on in the film. Whereas in this film, the whole film up until, it's probably about an hour and a half in, he's just travelling around on a motorcycle and you're like, maybe he doesn't have a Batmobile because they've not teased it at the start for you to see later on. 
that there's a sequence where he's gone to beat up the penguin because he's the penguin and he needs beating up. They're having like a, a shootout in a car park. Um, and Catwoman, uh, uh, Zoe's pinned down. Gordon's there going, damn, too old for this shit. Mm. I'm only 20 years away from retirement. And Batman just sort of disappears, which you don't necessarily clock that he's disappeared. But then all of a sudden you hear this revving engine and this like light starting to build. Yes. And it's <laughs> Batman and his souped up muscle car. And you just see the expression on the penguin going, the fuck is that? The fuck is that? Oh shit, I need to get out of here. He's going to run me down. Which then proceeds into this ridiculous chase down uh, a freeway, dual carriageway, motorway for 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 those of European nature, going the wrong way to which Penguin causes uh, cars to pile up on that and like Batman just like uses the boost to get through mm-hmm. um, sort of Star Fox style to which yeah. the Penguin then sees that, shits himself, calls him a psycho, stacks his car and then the Batman just walks up to him like boom, 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 thundering of his footsteps before yeah. pulling him out of the car and just like, yeah, that's how you do a Batmobile. It really, really is, given that the previous incarnations we had, although good, there was something different about this Batman and his Batmobile and and this whole entire world that Matt Reeves is creating. There's definitely something about it that... It's because it was very much a car that had been modified. It yeah. didn't have uh, machine gun turrets. It didn't have oil slick. It didn't have a fucking bomb on the front of it looking at you, Keaton. Didn't have <laughs> like uh, strobe lighting Clooney style or, or any of that silliness. It was literally just a muscle car that's been souped up to a ridiculous degree with yeah. a roll cage in it. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, yeah, that that's pretty cool. And again, rewatching this film, the whole aesthetic works for me. It's all very dark, very. Uh, I mean, I think I would compare it to Seven, starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, which I also watched this year again. I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Uh, just that sort of dark style where serial killers are quite prevalent and everybody's just like, this town's a shithole, but we're all too poor to get out of here. Uh, I just really quite liked that. And really, the only thing that takes you out of the film is John Turturro as um, Falcone, because I'm like, Transformers just ruined him as an actor for me. He's standing underneath the enemy's testicles. Yeah. I believe is the line. (laughs) So Batman brings him out into the light. Yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, for me, it took a rewatch to confirm it, but it was a very good film. Uh, be interesting to see what they do in the future with it. So it delivers in terms of film as is. If this is a one and done, great. And it also delivers on the promise of there could be more, and it would be interesting. Yeah. So that's my first pick. <laughs> my um, my first pick isn't the Batman, but I just want to say. Although I was initially colder on it than you were, because I think I kind of built the hype in my head, like you said previously, I just want to say, Robert Pattinson being chosen to play Batman, because let's face it, he's not playing Bruce Wayne in this film, he is purely Batman, is an inspired choice. He brings so much to that role, and he's so different from gravelly Christian Bale, uh, from like kind of goofy Michael Keaton to 
the more outlandish like Val Kilmer and Michael Giacchino doing the soundtrack my god it fucking slaps hard I think I put some of it in our uh, A4S verdict when we did that episode but the main theme for that Batman film the dun 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 it's like three notes and it's so powerful it just especially at the beginning of the film where you initially see Batman walk out of the street into the light to face down these this like gang of uh, they're like a gang aren't they they were Joker they they yeah, were totally Joker, Joker and yeah, it was totally like a Joker, Joker gang, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he punches like eight people in the face, yeah. uh, but he took some hits in himself. Yeah. yeah, and he just walks out, and it's all in time to dun 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 dun, and it's like bomb, bomb. The only comparable thing I can think of is like the glass of water in Jurassic Park with the T Rex. It's like that. But it's Batman, <laughs> and it's like holy crap. Yeah, in terms of the music and atmosphere, the only other comparison I draw purely for the badassness is Vader at the end of Rogue One in the dark corridor as he lights up his lightsaber. Yes. And you get yes. him illuminated in red, just walking down, killing rebels because they deserved it. Yeah, uh, that's the only other comparison I might draw. But yeah, no, the Batman, surprisingly good. Did not go. Matt Reeves didn't go wrong with that one. And if you haven't seen those goddamn monkey films, get on those monkey films, Matt. I'm talking specifically to you, Dale. Have you seen the Planet of the Apes films yet? The monkey films. I just don't really like monkeys, to be well, honest. So neither do I. But you need to get on them because they are like it's a almost perfect trilogy. Almost perfect. Uh, yeah, maybe. Almost. Okay, anyway. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I'll let you riddle that one out. Right, what's your choice? My my first choice also is a 2022 film. Fucking it, we're pushing a boat out so far, <laughs> aren't we? It's my only 2022 film this time, I'm afraid. So it's directed by Ty West. It's a, it's a horror film, shock horror. Just the tumbleweed there. Just the tumbleweed. See what you did there. Yeah, it it it's a slasher film and it is called X. And holy crap, this film was just it it blew my mind when I saw it. So it's a really simple premise. You've got a cast and crew gathered together to basically make this porno film on this elderly couple's rural like farm in Texas but then you find out that it's set 1970s 1980s as well yeah it's, it's uh... very very 70s it's a lot of it is a homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because when I saw the trailer initially for it at the cinema I was like is this a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film because it's got that kind of colour palette to it, it's very yellow it's very sort of like uh, really deserted because obviously it's set in Texas and stuff and I just friggin love this film so much, it was filmed during the COVID-19 lockdown 
and it was filmed at the same time as a prequel film called uh, Pearl, which I haven't seen, but apparently it is out. Come out in September last year at some point. I I need to get around to seeing it because apparently there's going to be a whole trilogy around them. But why I really like this film is because it's not just your standard slasher horror. It plays a lot more on the psychological because when you find out who's doing the killing and you kind of go into the psyche of why this person is killing people, you're like, ha, huh, that's interesting. But then also on top of that, it's not your standard horror because you've you've got the camaraderie of this group of people, but then there's like a whole sequence in this film where they literally take five minutes and they do like a one of the guys sings a song on a guitar and it's beautifully edited. so so good uh standout role has to be mia goth she pulls double uh double role on this so she plays one of the actors in the pornographic film but then also she plays uh an elderly character who may or may not be the killer not going to reveal that but also as well it also stars uh, probably one of the breakout actors of this year specifically uh, General Ortega who has recently cropped up in the Wednesday Netflix TV series and I believe she was in Scream 2022 at the start of the year as well that's my understanding yeah yeah she's really broken out this year she's really turning into like uh, this generation's Scream Queen and I'm I'm all for that to be honest so so at the moment, this has actually has a review aggregate a review score on Rotten Tomatoes of ninety four percent. That's a big number. And for a horror film that's effectively super low budget, because it was made for literally like a, a one million dollars. That's literally the budget of this film. It was so small and compact and so low budget, you know. And it it would go on to make fifteen million which is like stupid money for a horror film low budget indie as well it just kind of I can't explain how good this film is honestly it's got a real vibe and a real kind of there's a real atmosphere to it that's somewhat sinister and somewhat creepy but also at the same time you kind of get absorbed into the world of these characters and you actually end up giving a shit about them. And like I say, it's planned as a trilogy at the moment. The second part uh, called Pearl is actually out. I really, really want to see it. And I'm hopefully going to get a chance to go back as well and go visit some more of Ty West's uh, previous works because... If this is the caliber he can put out, then honestly, I kind of want to see what else he can do with horror. Hmm. I feel like I've kind of gushed about that enough now. But yeah, it was a real pleasant surprise at the start of the year when people were initially getting back out to the cinema and such like. And it was actually, this was surprisingly really good. And seeing it on the big screen definitely helped. 
Fair enough. I have no follow-up questions because it's not for me. No, fair enough. And fair that's enough. all right. And, and that's all right. And that's okay. So then, does that does that mean it's my turn? It is indeed. This film was also released in 2022. Fuck me. Yeah, I'm on a fucking roll here. Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow, okay. Mm. Go on, hit me. This film I found to be a breath of fresh air after an onslaught of mediocre comic book movies. Okay. I think the best way to describe this film is Tarantino meets Guy Ritchie. You now know what film I'm talking about, don't you? I am, of course, talking about Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt, directed <laughs> by David Leitch. <laughs> no, I didn't know this. Okay, fill me in. Right, so it's directed by David Leitch, who directed Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde. Essentially, Brad Pitt is a... Uh, I'm going to say a hitman slash doer of evil deeds that he's employed to do. And the film starts with him on a platform in Tokyo awaiting to catch the before-mentioned bullet train. The midnight train going anywhere? Yeah. Is he a small-town boy? (laughs) I don't know if he'd describe himself as a small-town boy, but essentially, right? Living in a lonely world. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's on... On his telephone to his... <laughs> Fuck off. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> He's on the platform on the telephone to his handler, who's told him this is a... Collect a envelope from a locker, get on the train, take it to final destination, deliver it. Simple collect and deliver mission. And he's just coming back after having taken... Uh, I think they put it down as... Is either unpaid leave or extended sick leave with his employer because he'd been a bit unwell and he'd done some therapy to help get over his frustration, to which he then said, well, I no longer want to use guns. So Brad Pitt is very much playing this tongue-in-cheek. Right, okay. He wasn't meant to be on this pickup job because the guy who was meant to do the pickup job actually telephoned in sick to work that day. So he's filling it in last minute. So already that gives you an inclination as to, wait, couriers and hitmen could just ring in sick to their employer. And then they get someone in to backfill them and that. So essentially, yeah, once he's on the train, it all starts to go a bit wrong. It's an ensemble cast. There's lots of other actors of of note in there whose names I won't tell because it's all spoilers. You get some great portrayals of some characters called Salt and Pepper. Do Do they push it? Do they push it real good? They do one better than that. This character, I believe it's Pepper, describes that... Pretty much anybody in life can be boiled down to Thomas the Tank. If you're a miserable fucker, you're a Gordon. Deep down, you're good, but you're just a miserable bastard. A Thomas is just an all-round great guy, you know, and then you get people like Diesels, who are just absolute cunts. Um, And he just builds up this whole sort of thing. And they've been employed to uh, grab someone who's hiding on the train to take them back to a big Russian boss who who's essentially ordered their execution. So you've got like multiple stories intersecting, which is why I'm going in comparison to Tarantino. And it does story does jump around following them and they all start to sort of intermingle. Um, but it's also very Guy Ritchie just in terms of I'd describe it in terms of some of the dialogue, um, which is quite interesting. Um 
and it's just kind of one of those things that once you're on the train, the train sort of doesn't stop to its final destination. Okay. Yeah, there's another movie pun for you there. And it's just a brilliant sort of, it's an action movie as such, but it's got comedic elements. It's got this interesting story. It's loosely based off a book. Um, okay. That was a Japanese language book, hence the setting. And it was just so nice to watch to go, this is a one and done. It's not a franchise piece. There's no superheroes. It's just normal people. Okay, most of them are killers with guns and that, or swords. Kids with guns. Kids with guns. I think there is a kid with a gun. And it's <laughs> nice to, to just watch a standard, what I'm going to call, old-fashioned action film popcorn movie where I don't have to really think about anything. I don't have to worry about, oh, how does this set up the franchise? And have I seen the other 17 films here? Where you go this year, the big the big Marvel movie being advertised was Thor: Love and Thunder, which gave me COVID. It was that bad. <laughs> uh, whereas this this film is equally as bright and vibrant and artistic for completely different reasons. Yeah, genuinely stand out of the year. I saw the trailer earlier in the year and I went, "Yeah, I'm fucking seeing that." And then I went and saw it a bit later in the year. Didn't have much of a marketing push here. And yeah, just really enjoyed it. Great film. And to quote you, I had fun. That's sometimes all you need from a film is just, is it is it entertaining? Will it keep you amused for an hour, two hours, whatever you want to call it, you know? Sometimes that's just all you need. That That's pretty cool, because I remember seeing the trailers for that. And I was a bit like... It just looks really meh. But no, I I will generally have to try and find try and try and find that. The trailers do nothing for it because the trailers don't purely show you from Brad Pitt's perspective and a couple clips of the other ensemble cast. It doesn't show you their backstories or how they have ended up here or the nonsense they're doing. It doesn't reference Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, it misses out a lot of what makes this film great. Yeah, well worth checking out. I believe in the UK it's now on Amazon Prime for watching. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and again, it just made up for what I want to call overall a fairly disappointing year at cinema. Yeah, this year's been a bit of a mixed bag. So, ironically, you were just talking about trains, weren't you? Choo-choo. I want to keep the topic on trains because I watched a film this year from 2016 and you probably already know what it is. I have a sneaking inkling. <laughs> I finally got round to watching something that wasn't in an English language this year. I I watched a couple of non-English language films, but this was probably one of the most notable. It's a 2016 South Korean action horror film directed by, I'm so sorry, I'm going to try and get his name right, Yeon Sang-ho. And it is, of course, Train to Busan. I would say that's brilliant. So the reason that's not in my top of 2022 films is that I watched it in January, just gone. So next year... <laughs> yeah, so next year, potentially... We could be talking about it again. <laughs> it, we'll be talking about it again, or we'll just cut this subsequent conversation and splice it in next year. <laughs> so Train to be some was a complete breath of fresh air to me. So it's quite notable. I believe uh, Citation Very Much Needed is actually one of the very first um, 
South Korean zombie films, I want to say. Citation very much needed, yeah. It is the first, according to uh, Wikipedia, which never lies. Of of course. Of course. So I finally got round to it um, this year, mainly because it had been recommended to me by a friend who said, Dave, you really need to watch this. You are going to love this. You really, really need to watch this. And I said, oh, it's on the list. I will get to it. I will get to it. I've got the box set. I won the box set in the competition. I will get to it eventually and i think it must have been in the summer uh august september time and i finally sat down and watched it 69 yeah all right you're gonna do that to me now okay no completely yeah yeah it's not nice it's not nice is it no it's not (laughs) so i finally sat down and watched it and like i said it was a complete breath of fresh air where most English language films you will have a very predictable it's it's the point of outbreak and then you get a slight explanation for the the outbreak of the virus and yeah. what it, and then time jump yeah and then a time jump yeah. to later on this doesn't do that this kind of looks at kind of the actual outbreak as it happens and it's so grounded. You've got. Sorry, I just got to jump in and go. You're with it from the dead deer. You're with. You're from it from the dead deer to the first zombie, yes. to the hordes of zombies. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to see that. Uh, on top of that, as well, you've got where other zombie movies will have these human characters in there. Um, they don't feel fleshed out in this you actually kind of care about the characters and you create a sympathy with them. So the main story being a father and his daughter, uh, the father being divorced from... divorcing from his mother and from from her mother and such like, and he's taken her to go see her mother for, I want to say it's like a birthday or something like that, if memory serves now. Yeah, you've seen it more recently than me, so you can help us out here a little bit. It's the little girl's birthday and the night before he's brought her a present which is a nintendo wii which he already has she's like for my birthday i want to see my mum and he's like oh i can't really now honey i've got to do my trades and shares because i'm essentially a salary man and i'm not entirely yeah. sure i've had a child so it sort of shows him and she's like well i'm five years old i can go on the train by myself and she basically guilt trips him into yeah. to taking her to see her mum because she hates being around her dad because he's just an absentee father. Mm. He like then is like booking all his tickets to get on the train, and then he spends a lot of the time initially on his phone talking about trades and shares and yeah. looking at what's happening in the news, which then nicely links in where he's like, "Oh, the price of this company is starting to bottom out. We need to sell all our shares in that." Yep. And, you know, that company selling shares in, that that references a bit later throughout the film as well. Mm. And then you've got these other characters with, with a man and his pregnant wife as well, who I believe the guy is actually in The Eternals, right? I want to say. I can't yeah. remember the actor's name. Yeah, he's big punchy guy. Big punchy um, guy. Who, and before he became famous, he was just a trainer for Korean actors, and then he was able to transition into acting himself. That's his name. It's uh, Ma Dong Siuk, uh, also known as 
Donnelly. He it was his breakout performance in in Train to Busan. What a, what a performance! It, it's an amazing performance. Um, even features probably my favourite asshole character of all time, and that has to be. He's not a, ca- a train conductor, is he? He's like, he's like the finance top, guy of the. He's company. the finance guy of the company, and he is top asshole number one, and he's probably one of my most favourite assholes in all of films. <laughs> he himself causes the death of at least seven people who yes. didn't need to die. <laughs> like a couple of them, he throws at zombies, literally. Yes. So a couple of them die because yeah. he, yeah. Couple of them die because he doesn't shut a door behind him, even though he had the time to shut a door behind him. Oh, I hate him so much. And wasn't it nice to really, really, really hate on him? Wasn't it great? Like I said, it's just something about the way, even though it's in a foreign language, and obviously it's kind of. I watched it subtitled, so I didn't watch it dubbed, and nothing got lost in translation. That's how good. Like the writing was and the translation was, I still hated this character with a passion. And when you finally get to the end and you see his fate, you're like, "Yes, fuck you! You had it coming, you stupid prick!" And even the the final ending shot, which I'm not going to spoil for people, just in case obviously your curiosity has been piqued. The final ending shot of certain characters walking through a tunnel, and the military on the other side going there's people coming through there's people coming through they go you need to take the shot you need to take the shot I'm like I literally sat there with my head in my hands going no don't take the shot don't take the shot it's like they're looking at them through yeah. sniper rifles going can you confirm yeah. they're human and they're like no and because they're holding hands they're like well are they they staggering or something and it's like yeah and yeah. The, 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 this, the, the sergeant commander's just like well, if you can't get visual confirmation, just take him out. It's like, whoa, 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 back up a minute here. Like, they've just been on this train ride from hell, and this is how it's going to end. I'll be so angry. Yeah. But throughout, it was a great film, let alone, like, um, baseball baseball guy boy and his, his not-girlfriend-girlfriend. Uh, the thing we should say is that one of the main characters, Salary Man, with the daughter... A lot of people this year would know him from a cameo in Squid Game, but he's the guy that basically baits the main character of Squid Game into joining the Squid Game by slapping him repeatedly in the face for money. My favourite standout sequence has to be the sequence where they're moving through the train and with the power 
You know the sequence yeah. I mean? So yep. the zombies stand still because they can't see them because it's like bright lights or whatever, isn't it? So as soon as... So the power goes off. Oh, we're going for a tunnel. We need to move now. But as soon as they come out the tunnel, their vision's back again and they just go charging at everybody. It's so tense. They kind of... Our human characters, they climb up on top of like luggage racking on this train. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so tense and it's so claustrophobic. It's so well done. It's amazing. I really thought... Firstly, that the luggage rails were going to give way. But I yep. guess South Korean trains are better constructed than ones in the UK because yep. they would have fallen apart in the UK. But yeah, <laughs> so essentially, every time they pass through a tunnel and it's dark, the zombies just go into like power saving and stand there idle, yep. just completely blind and dumb, which was so bizarre because there's a point where they're like barricading themselves into a bathroom, three or four characters, and the zombies are banging on the door. They drive through a tunnel and then the zombies just stop banging on the door and just stand there like idiots. It was so bizarre, but a, but really but really novel. I thought that was a great little character ad for the zombies who do also run as well. And unlike other films, pretty much here when you're bitten, depending on how severe the bite is, your transformation's either about half hour away or damn near instantaneous. Yeah, it's not dependent on plot reasons, which is nice. Because a lot of the time it's, oh, in other films, like other American films or whatever, they get bitten and it's, oh, they, they're they going to transform, they're going to transform, we need to kill them now. Q three days later, they've turned, but then other people will get bitten and then they're instantly transforming. This feels like it has, Train to be Sound feels like it's got an actual consistent internal logic yeah. to it. It sort of follows if you're bit on the hand, that's a small wound. It'll take longer for a, for the virus or whatever the infection is to spread through your body. Whereas if you're bit on your hand, bit on your arm, bit repeatedly, like got a group of them on you, biting you. Even if you fight free within about thirty seconds, you would have had enough of the virus put into your body that then you're just full on zombie instantly. So these zombies, when they're steam piling on at people, biting them two three times and they're zombies which is how whole train carriages were getting overrun and it's a great sequence at the start of the film where there's one zombie in a train bite someone and you just get this panic of everybody getting up and starting to run and scream running through the carriages working their way up the train as then an increasing number of zombie horde just starts to build running their way down the trains as well um it's really it's really great and it takes um like a couple of characters to clock that they can't open door handles. The zombies can't open door handles, so they're safe. To which salary man then almost knocks, locks big punchy man and his wife in with the zombies, even though there's loads of time for them to make it through the door safely. Grantedly, he then has a moment of guilt and lets them in, to which the big punchy guy basically calls him a cunt, <laughs> which was justified. Um, but no, brilliant film, If I'd say, if you haven't seen it's- it. Look out and see it. Review wise, again, Rotten Tomatoes, ninety four percent, and its uh, average on Metacritic is currently seventy two, which is based on sixteen critics, giving generally favourable reviews. And for for a horror film, thriller, action type thriller, that's really rare. So you have to do something really special to kind of stand out. I did watch the sequel. 
this year as well. Uh, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. But that goes in a completely different direction. It goes a lot more action. So much action. And it's kind of... It's a sequel, but it's not. It's set within the same universe, but it's not a sequel because it doesn't have the same returning characters. The part that stands out for me in that whole film is they get in a car on Zombie Island. They go to Zombie Island for reasons, for, for MacGuffin reasons. They drive around this island running zombies over. They do like a 180 degree spin while the character is shooting out of the window while spinning shooting these zombies and it's like oh you you really went a different way with this one didn't you that's the thing is that any sequel to that if it's set after the initial infection it's more just a standard horror film or really what they could have done is they could have just followed a different group of people exact same moment of time that the train story is happening in other parts they could have done it in any of the other cities they could add a different group of survivors at the exact same time as the train events occurring they could have done it as like a parallel sequel I think would have been the best way to go or just leave it as a one and done the the only way to describe it is going from alien to aliens it's that kind of jump it's like there's nothing wrong with that but if it's done well that's fine but it's not particularly done greatly yeah so yeah but that's that's my number two pick as uh train to be some from 2016 definitely worth checking out your final pick then matt this this is where it all starts to fall apart for me okay right hit me i've watched a lot of older films this year i've rewatched some jackie chan films which are great but none of them really made me go wow that's worth talking about I watched the Daniel Radcliffe film where he had the guns nailed to his hand this year and I'm like, guns oh, and that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, is that worth talking about? No, I can't be bothered. And I'm like, well, I watched Clue this year from 1985. We discussed it on a previous episode. Really enjoyed that. That's the one with Tim Curry yeah. based on the game Cluedo. I, I kind of want to say Prey could be an option as well come out on streaming this year because it was a really good film but then the more I sit and think about it the more I go I don't know if it was that good as what I thought it was at the time Blasphemy well this is the thing so in terms of a third choice I don't have one because everything wow in my to my memory of what I watched in 2022 yeah was all either decidedly average or middling or I'd seen it before enough times where it isn't worth me bringing forth. I can't think of any other film this year that's made me go, wow, I want to talk about that for a little bit. Everything else has just fallen notably below that. I really thought you would bring along um, the Daniels film, everywhere, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I really thought you were going to bring that. So again, I think it's a really good film. But when I sit and think about it, I'm like, I think that was a really good film once. I haven't done a repeat viewing on it, but I'm concerned that if I did a repeat viewing on it... It would lose its impact. Yeah, because I know where the story's going. I know the plot twists. I know all of the factors behind it. Yes, visually it would be a great film, but I'm not going to get that impact of, wait, what? That's who that is. And, oh, wait, this is what we're building to. I kind of feel that's a film that you watch once 
and then you'd only watch it again where you forgot it you can't remember anything about it which is a thing I don't really suffer with with films I have total recall so, so yeah I like wow. generally nothing nothing else in my memory stat stands out as yeah or even prey i thought you would have bought prey because prey was a great reinvention of the predator franchise it was all right so again at the time i was like oh that was that was brilliant but then the more i sat about it the more i went the things that made that film not as good as what it should have been was firstly the stupid explicit references to the original predator they were too on the nose like using the exact same lines of dialogue i'm like ha reference cool but then i'm also like why would those characters in that scenario say what they've just said in that particular manner that doesn't make sense for the characters it doesn't make sense for their setting you know they say if it bleeds we can kill it you're like ah oh, cool 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 back but they're not looking at predator blood They've not wounded it at that point. They've just sort of said it because that's a callback. There's a few things about like that. The other thing for me is where, again, I like the the main protagonist, but then also there's a couple of moments where she's just really movie stupid, which I'm like, you just wouldn't get that for someone in her position who's like, I want to be taken seriously. I want to be a hunter. I want to be recognised by the men of the tribe on breaking out of the, the boundaries here you're like she made some stupid decisions which her character wouldn't do but for movie reasons had to happen and i'm like right same with the male characters are like yeah we're the men and we're just going to be dicks because we're dicks i'm like it doesn't work for me it does compared to all the most recent predator films or versus films really good but a notable notch below the original Predator, and even Predator 2 for me, in my memory, mm. that, that yes, it's a good film, but not sure enough for me to go, yeah, that stands out. For me, that wow. again, just, if you were, if we were to score these out of 10, that's another like six and a half, seven out of 10. The things I want to talk about in my mind are eight, nines and tens. It's just another film that I'd look at and go, that's all right but mostly average. Moments of greatness, but the stupidity within it just drags it down. And I can't I can't think of anything else that just put its head above the rest this year. I genuinely can't. Like Unless you can recall something I've spoke to you about that I can't remember. But the fact that I'm sitting here now not able to remember tells you that they did not do a good enough job. <laughs> The Marvel films this year were, they were fine. Shit. They were fine. No, rubbish. They weren't. Rubbish. They weren't. Disappointing. I mean, yeah. I mean, all of the franchise AAA stuff, it's all been fine and it's all been, you know, Black Adam, it's fine. You know, uh, I think there was a Fast and Furious film this year. It's fine. It's all. It's just all been. It's just all been fine. There's nothing. I do completely agree with you. There hasn't really been anything that that's really blown me away, except for maybe, like I said, X this year. Honorable mention, by the way, which I didn't include in my list, goes to a uh, man. 
that was a really really good film uh that is uh alex alex garland i want to say yeah possibly another a24 studios i completely agree with everything everywhere all at once that was a great that was a really really good solid film but i feel like talking about it will diminish it in that you have to go in as blind as possible to really get yep. the most out of that film and yeah like you said obviously if you want to rewatch it it's going to lose a lot of its impact because i know certain things that are going to happen there's certain sequences it's like when it's come up online after it's been released there's been certain stills and certain gifts that have appeared it's like oh yeah i remember that that was really good at the time but looking at it now it's a bit like eh, you know i totally get it i totally get where you're coming from with such a visually interesting film mm. that's not going to carry over on my small screen at home. No, no, exactly, exactly. Unless you've got a 100-foot screen. Like this year, like I also thought, well, Top Gun Maverick was really great. That, that's, that stood out a little bit for me for the reasons I said for Bullet Train, that it's not doing what everything else is doing. It's... It, it, it was it was I enjoyed it but then when I thought about it I went I've not rewatched it yeah would I, I have got as I wouldn't you didn't you wouldn't re, you didn't <laughs> you just you just don't you just don't like Tom Cruise and that sort of film but right. but for me it's like I really enjoyed that if I rewatched that that was probably a one and done in terms of enjoyment factor because again I know where it's going and that ultimately what it's going to do so the thing with top gun maverick right is that if you'd seen it on the big screen that's probably amazing one of the best experiences at the cinema you saw it at the cinema, I did. yeah it's probably absolutely amazing and because of the way it's been shot all the stuff in the plane i'm not gonna lie all the stuff in the planes and all the plane stuff is amazing the way technically they've done that is amazing it looks so good but then you get to the rest of the film and you're like, this this dialogue is shit. This script is shit. It's like American propaganda for like the US military and stuff. It's like, uh, it's just a really vapid excuse for it. But again, I can see why you would enjoy it at the time. Because like I say, that stuff in the cockpits and everything else would probably look absolutely stunning. Especially, especially if you saw it at the IMAX. Because I think it was filmed with IMAX cameras as well. Because I've noticed on the DVD we've got, because we watched it over Christmas it changed aspect ratio a lot so a lot of the stuff in the planes was all in IMAX cameras and stuff whereas a lot of the stuff on the ground was your standard uh, aspect ratio yeah so overall like I said at, at the very start 2022 when you look back on it there's not much that stands out so did you have a, a number three salvage this section <laughs> I, I want to take you back all the way to 1997. Oh, yes, I remember it. Do you remember 1997? How good was 1997 for you, Matt? Uh, it was all right, yeah. It was all right. Men, in, all Black, right. Men, Men in Black was at the cinema, and that was about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, it's another non-English film, which you're going to be somewhat surprised to hear. Like I said, I, I watched a lot this year. And a lot of the stuff that really stood out to me was non-English speaking films. So this is a Japanese animated psychological thriller film 
directed by Satoshi Kon, who is no longer with us. He's best known for films Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, and Paprika. However, I want to draw attention to his 1997 film Perfect Blue. And it is an absolutely beautiful, stunning anime. So your basic premise is that you've got one member of a Japanese idol group who, for those of you not in the know, idol groups are kind of like manufactured pop groups. Yeah, it's like Boy Zone and stuff like that. Yeah, but they're kind of uh, manufactured within the pop industry. They're taught to dance, they're taught to sing, and maybe their prime years are from possibly from when they're about like 13 to about 18 or something like that. Yeah, it's very concerning. It's it's strange. It's a different culture. I don't really want to touch it with a barge bowl, but anyway, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Uh so she decides so this member of this Japanese order group decides to retire from from music and dancing to become an actor kind of moving on from from her role singing and dancing within this group and uh and she gets a stalker and you're like okay this is fucking weird but what's interesting like i say is because a lot of it you don't know if it's actually happening happening to her which is the psychological aspect from it so there's moments in the film where like she's basically talking to herself she sees her own reflection and her reflection is talking back to her going why are you doing this you need to go back to the to to the group who i think is called sham or cham yeah it's called cham i've i've got the page open um and oh you wouldn't do this your fans love you and things like that and it it's a stunning beautiful film so when she leaves off to go do this uh this acting thing like her managers and stuff there's like a certain couple of people of a management going yeah it'll be great for your career and da 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 but there's still one who's like oh you shouldn't do it and and things like that so you think it's kind of her but then it's not and there's moments in the film where you see like her reflection like herself but she's kind of jumping around the the landscape in in japan and stuff and it's 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 beautiful it's really really hard to describe I'm not really getting across kind of how how good it is, but it's really hard to describe without spoiling it. I'm going to be honest, it's another one of those. But it's visually striking. The performances are absolutely beautiful. There's certain moments in the film where you really connect with the character. Is she going mad? Is there... Does she really have a stalker coming after her? And it's... It's an adult anime, but not that doesn't punch down to its viewer. It's intelligent. It's smartly written. It's it's visually absolutely gorgeous, and it's been lovingly uh, how do I put this? It's been ripped off by a lot of American directors, mainly Darren Aronofsky. He copied a lot of his stuff, uh, a lot of the images and stuff for Black Swan. The, uh, the Natalie Portman ballet film. Mm. Yeah. And yep. as well, 
his previous one of his other films, Requiem for a Dream, quite notorious, features a remake, like a shot-for-shot remake from uh, Perfect Blue. So it's got this really wide-reaching kind of influence as well. Uh, to kind of go into like uh, meta scores and stuff, it's currently eighty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And Metacritic, it's got 67 out of 100 based on 17 reviews, which are generally favourable. But, because like I say, at the start of the year, I really kind of dipped my toe into anime. And the the trailer for this was on front of, I think it was possibly Akira? Or was it Ghost in Shell 2? I think it was on the front of Ghost in Shell 2. And I was like, huh, that looks looks interesting. It looks really different from other stuff I've seen. So it's it's not like your standard... Uh, like your Naruto's or your like um, Dragon Balls and that sort of thing it's a smart intelligent self-contained piece that like I say doesn't punch down it 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 stuck with me for a long time after watching it I really wanted to bring it up on the side order but I just didn't know how to talk about it and the more I thought about it I was like that that was so good I'm gonna have to bring it up now it's it stuck with me for that long, and I watched it, like I say, at the beginning of last year, when, unfortunately, I came down with COVID. It's one of those where it sticks with you. You you will think about it, and you'll go, well, actually, did that actually ha- Did this bit actually happen? Did that actually happen? It keeps you guessing. And when you finally yeah. get to the finale, you don't really see it coming, as of sorts. And you're like, oh, that, make- that makes complete sense. I'm going to send you a trailer, Matt. Um, okay. Because, like I say, I don't feel like I don't really feel like I've got across how how kind of distinct and visual this film is. So I've just sent you a trailer now on WhatsApp. Yeah, that does look like it'd be a quite good film done in live action, and I've definitely seen things that are ripped, uh, ripped that off. Granted, the trailer you sent me is an English dub, so bad voice acting, but. Yeah, I watched this. I watched this subbed, and it's the performances are very, very good. But it's very, very striking. And like I say, it's different from a lot of your uh, stereotypical stuff. So, like I think previously we've discussed Akira and Ghost in the Shell, and like I said, it's so different from those, and it's so different from like your Naruto's, your One Pieces, your Dragon Balls, and that kind of stuff. It's like a proper... This is going to sound really condescending. It's like a proper film. But it just happens to be animated. You know, it's... It's gorgeous. And I'm... I have got a copy of Paprika, which I do want to watch as well, which is another Satoshi Kon film. Um, yeah, I want to dive back into his back catalogue. Um, yeah. If it's, if it's all as strong as Perfect Blue, I'm going to be a very happy boy. So I guess that concludes our film section. Notice how we didn't bring up Elfman and how it was best film of the year. Because um. that was clearly... We were clearly <laughs> set up to fail there, weren't we? Watching that piece of shit as in a callback to the Christmas episode. So what Lucky are we moving man. on to? <laughs> are, we, are we moving on to, to music? Because that's another brief section for me. I think so, yes. Let's, um, let, let's, jump, let's jump headfirst into music. So off the bat, just want to say, I know that music episodes have been very, very few, far in between this year on the podcast. I'm taking a break from them. They will return in due course. 
but it hasn't stopped me from kind of listening to a lot of music so do you want me to go first in a in a kind of a different kind of way because this is really my kind of baby because if you go first because i only have two of these as well sweet okay fine okay so first one i want to talk about it's oh guess what it's it's heavy metal I've I've talked it? about it on I've talked about it on Twitter previously and said it's probably my highlight of 2022. Um, that's the Ooh. brand new Worm Rot album called Hiss, and uh, holy shit, <laughs> this is their magnum opus. This is so fucking good. From the opening track, this slow descending build up of kind of water drops and waterfalls and stuff into the next track which is called Broken Maze it just punches you in the face with its aggression and it's I I will send you a uh, a clip now actually Matt I know you're not really particularly into grindcore I I was going to say don't bother (laughs) (laughs) but it's so so heavy and it's so powerful they're a band from, I believe, Singapore. Like I say, um, if you just listen to the first, Do um, I have to? yeah, for the first minute or two, and you'll get a feel for what I'm saying. Okay, right. You keep talking whilst I do that. Wormrot is a Singaporean grindcore grindcore band uh, formed by two people when they finished their uh, national service. In 2007, they're signed to Earache Records and they put out their latest and greatest uh, one this year called Hiss. And honestly, I thought they couldn't get any better than Dirge, which was like their first full-length proper album signed to Earache. I really didn't think they could top it, but so they was there a particular have. track I was meant to listen to? Um, just literally the first track into the second track. Yeah, it's no, I real... can't do any more than twenty seconds. Uh, it's a real bittersweet one because it turns out that their lead singer and main guitarist was actually going to be leaving the band not long after their um this came out. So it's a real bittersweet kind of album for him to really leave a mark on but he's left a mark on their legacy and it is so heavy but it's also got moments of experimentation and which for a grindcore band is like whoa what it's just not all like aggressive and in your face there's like pianos and i think there's like other obscure instruments on there as well it just it's a perfect album it's a perfect like 30 minute visceral gut punch i knew it would be good because wormwood haven't disappointed like i say it being their swan song with singer arif and guitarist arif sorry after 15 years of him being in the band honestly if they never top this i will be fine with it because this is this is their their magnum opus so yeah worm rot hiss fucking great cool right my turn then So, normally, I don't take the music section seriously, and I just say a song or a bit of music from a film because I went to the cinema, and I don't take it seriously, but this time, I promise you I've taken it seriously, and I've got some information on some music that I definitely listen to a lot this year. For definite, I've taken it serious, all right? Okay, good, good, good. 
there's a, a track called Can't Let Go from a band known as Quarter Ghost. The band itself identifies as an indie electro soul group. And that's quite interesting. And I listened to this track so much because it was the intro theme to Bosch and I watched every single episode <laughs> this year. There we go. There we go. I knew it was going to tie back. <laughs> We've previously again discussed Bosch and this particular this particular um, track because it's just fucking amazing. Insert clip here. Wasn't that great? Like you can see why I like that. It's just that interesting sound and the fact the band identifies as indie electro soul is is quite um an interesting sort of dynamic for a group as to to sort of be It's a it's a very interesting blend of different styles and genres. Yeah, and again, it's sort of new but old at the same time, which sort of Again, in fits with the character Bosch because he's an old school cop but who listens to jazz and that. But I reckon if he was here, the theme tune to his show, he'd probably quite like it. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and that's all. Back to you. <laughs> okay, so basically what we're putting that down to is a cheap excuse to talk about how good Bosch is, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Um, so next, my next pick for 2022 is another 2022 um, album is by a band called Psy and their latest release is called Shiki or Shiki or not quite sure how it's pronounced but they are a Japanese band who do a mix of metal with blackened metal sorry with again experimental elements it's a very interesting blend while you get the initial guitars that again they're real gut punch kind of to the face it's heavy you can nod your head to it you can like power like power they do really weird strange sounds later i've sent you a link by the way matt so you can have a listen to it at your I, leisure. I was just nodding my head to it yeah you see what i mean but then you've also got the nasally kind of vocals over the top of it as well and it just fits with the whole vibe and the whole uh kind of feeling of this album like i said i've never heard of this band but apparently they were formed in 1989 or 1990, depends how you look at it. Um, this actually came recommended to me via Bandcamp themselves, which doesn't happen often because generally my my Bandcamp uh, purchasing experiences 
have been chronicled on on many Grand Day Out episodes during lockdown. But it's but Psy are they're heavy, they are melodic, they are they are aggressive, but then they've got like I said, they've got these experimental moments in there which you don't see coming, so it keeps it interesting, so it's not just all straightforward kind of aggression. It, they're very hard to kind of nail down and put into one category because it's they have a really wide encompassing sound which I think is why I really really enjoyed this album as Matt well knows I've quite like experimental things and experimental music where progressive music you would say like progressive rock or progressive metal I'm a big fan of like Dream Theater and like Pink Floyd although they aren't technically progressive rock yes that's for you rock small you're welcome Opeth and stuff like that so to hear this done but in this kind of uh, heavier way but also not lose it lose its heaviness with it is refreshing and it's a sound it's like a sound I haven't heard before other bands have obviously been influenced by it and have tried to copy it or, or pay homage to it but it doesn't sound like them if you if you get what I mean I don't and for just for an update I was with it till he started singing. Don't like your singing. <laughs> the the singing is quite divisive. Like I say, it's very nasally. It's um, it reminds me a bit of Carcass. So it's very nasally, yeah. kind of <laughs> kind of thing. Honestly, it fits the whole vibe and it fits the whole mood of of what they're going for. I absolutely dug it this year. Like I say, it came out in August. And it's probably been... I think it came out in August. I think it came out around about the same... Yeah, it did. It came out in August, around about the same time I got uh, the Wormrot album. And those two are my most played this year, 100%. Absolutely dug them, loved them. Changing the way that heavy music sounds. Um, overall, just had a really good time with it. So, Matt, pick number two, please. Yep, my, my final pick because I really struggled this year with um, music. Uh, and again, I totally took this serious. No, I didn't, to be honest. It, it's just Master of Puppets from Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> but, like, a lot of people talk about that, that pop song uh, that, that Stranger Things basically put back in the charts um, by, by that lady. Um, whose name I forgot because I did, I did that much research. Kate Bush. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Fine, it was all right. But but come on, the whole season he's got a guitar. He's a metalhead. There's a guitar there that that you know he's going to play at some point, and then he plays it to to buy time for for the heroes to do some hero stuff, and then gets brutally murdered. Um, whilst playing Master of Puppets, like. It's just a pretty rad, pretty rad scene, and it stands in my memory as a, a good use of music in a popular show. Uh, right, your third choice. Do you know what? Actually, when when you said that, but when I went to go visit Roxmore, and we did our uh, uh, challenging Morecambe episode, there was One charity shop. We we no no no. We were looking about charity. We were looking about shops and stuff, and there was a retro video game shop. And we walked in there, 
and there was just this this older woman she must have been in her like her 60s or 70s she had that scene playing with Metallica and Master of Puppets from Stranger Things while she was simultaneously playing the Wii playing like a version of Duck Hunt <laughs> and it is the most metal thing I've probably ever seen <laughs> Just this image of just this woman just sat down in a chair really lazily playing fucking Duck Hunt on the Wii with Master Puppets in the background and Eddie just going fucking... Is his name Eddie from Stranger Things? I don't Eddie know, I've Munson. Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah, seen it. it. And he's going absolutely uh, mad God, on the guitar yeah. playing Master of Puppets. Uh, yeah, like, it's just a really cool cool sequence in that show that, that was uh, a good choice of music that stands out in my memory. Uh, from 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 the year, uh, and that's sort of my final music choice. Unless I can think of another joke in one, whilst you talk about your next point. Right. So this one, um, it's an odd choice. I'm not going to lie. So this band's been around for a couple of years now. I was introduced to them via YouTube. Ooh. So it's actually a collaboration called the First of October. And it is a collaboration of YouTubers Rob Scallon, who's quite well known for playing heavy guitars and popularising the word gent, and uh, Andrew Huang. So every 1st of October, for the last couple of years, excluding, I believe, 2020, they book a studio for one day. They have no songs written, and they record an album. I just want you to think about that. Uh, I have, because um, you've told me this before. Yeah, so they go into the studio with nothing written. They have 12 hours to record an album. And you know what? The albums are fucking great. They're probably my most played thing on Spotify this year. So I'm just going to send you a couple of links now. So you'd think for like a jokey project kind of thing that uh, it'd be really fair to middling or... Nothing really special, but they produce such a diverse group of songs. Um, it is absolutely madness. Um, so I believe I've sent you Ravioli, and I believe I sent you... I don't know what the other one is. I sent you probably Jangly Bones. Yeah. So you can kind of get the feel there of two different vibes that they go for one is completely silly and it's really bass driven and that kind of thing and then you've got another one which again is really silly kind of keeping in with the whole Halloween thing but then you get a track like this which is called uh, Love to Say I Love You and it is so heartfelt and sweet and tender you can't believe it was literally written on the spot and it was recorded within that 12 hour period of the day and it and it's so so good yeah you see what I mean because you'd think with a concept like oh we're yeah it's quite a uh, contrast in sound across the three tracks yeah because kind of you'd think for such jokey premise for them to like go, oh, we're going to record an album. They didn't even for the first one. They didn't even tell the engineer that they that they'd hired for the day, that they'd got nothing written. It was literally on the day when they walk in. He said, oh, have you got so what songs have you got? Then they went, oh, we ain't got none. And he went, what? 
and you could just see him having a mental breakdown. And he's come back every year subsequently because he knows what's kind of going on, how to record it with them. But it's a really interesting project, and like I say, they've got three albums out now. Uh, sorry, no, they've got four albums. My apologies. You've got Ten Hours, which is their first uh, album, which is kind of a more punky kind of uh, rocky record. I'll just send you mm. uh, one of those. So the opening track okay. is called Woo, for obvious reasons. You've got the second record, which is called Gourmet Ravioli, because of course it is. I've already sent you the Ravioli track, which is the highlight. You've got the third album, which is called Got Record Everything Good, and then the newest one, which is called Chaos. Um, honestly, it's the best one. So I believe you're probably listening to Woo now. Would you agree? Yeah. Like pop punky, rocky, kind of kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's a fair uh, summary. Yeah. Even with the jokey tracks, you get like really solid instrumentation, and they the making of behind or videos are on uh, it's either Rob Scallon or Andrew Hoang's uh, channel definitely watch those check them out because the process behind it is really interesting like they do rock paper scissors to see who plays guitars on uh on the first track or the or the drums they literally just sit there and they go oh i've got something and they just start playing they go yeah we'll record that as a scratch track and then we'll come back later on but it's like if i could have like an inch like a pinky of their talent it would just be absolutely amazing and like I say, for such a jokey concept, to produce four albums that are just absolute quality, nothing skippable on them, is is absolutely amazing and, and inspiring. Mm. There you go. That's that's my choice number three. <laughs> and I'll be on music section complete because I can't think of any more jokey <laughs> things to uh to throw at you. So I think at this moment I need to take a brief break. Okay. And um I'll leave, we'll, we'll leave you with some music or something in the edit and uh, we'll be back in a moment did you know listeners that I've been deaf in my right ear for about two weeks now so a lot of what Dave's been saying I haven't actually been able to hear properly and the funny thing is, he's not going to find this back till he listens and edits this. Just thought I'd add this in there as a little inside joke. And we're back. Thank you for that brief respite. I needed to run away and do something. Sounds good. So that means it's video game time. Tears. 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 I had similar struggles as with the previous sections in terms of the number of video games. Good. 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 Great. Because I struggle with this one as well. (laughs) I've got some honourable mentions though, which dependent on how badly this pans out, just, just assume that one of them was my number three my number three pick. <laughs> right, let's let's start so, with that then. 
uh, like earlier in earlier in the year in terms of uh, honorable mentions I've discussed it on the side order uh, Kina Bridge of Spirits uh, I played that in February good game enjoyed that nice cutesy art style uh, very um, sort of Disney slash um, Pixar um, it was originally going to be an animated film they decided to work better as a video game so they made a video oh, game rather than an animated film yeah so it was quite a nice little game didn't know that another honourable mention would be the Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy game I believe I played it in January again really enjoyed that at the time it was quite quite nice um I remember it being alright. I haven't done another playthrough, so I can't confirm or deny my initial playthrough bias. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time this year on PC playing uh, multiplayer games and also some single player games. So I've damn near finished all of the Sherlock Holmes games available on PC uh, from Frogware Studios. Again, quite fun. Uh, multiplayer games that sort of played through the forest which we talked about be full of um, Cthulhu type horrors yeah I've uh, been playing Raft quite a bit another game that I've referenced where you're on a raft no yeah so so there's that so yeah those are some of my my honourable mentions oh wow. um, obviously Two Point Hospital I've got well over 120 hours in good uh, lord and PC PC simulator I've got I don't know, got to be 70 hours into it as well. Just again, every so often I'll just randomly play it because it's a soothing game that doesn't require a lot of thinking or or effort. But to get into my first pick, in terms of like a game I hadn't played before or, or something that stands out in my memory... Okay. It's going to make... They're quite basic games, so I'm going to bundle them both into one. And those are Cat Quest 1 and Cat Quest 2. Right. That's my first choice. That's sort of an indie game from the developers known as the General Bros. It's a sort of top-down action RPG game where you play as a kitty cat to, to save the kingdom from other kitty cats. And in the second one, there's Woof Woofs. And you play as a kitty cat and a Woof Woof to, to stop the evil kitty cats and Woof Woofs. Um, and it's sort of uh, RPG style where you get weapons, upgrade them, find better weapons and sort of not quite turn-based combat, but it's very RPG orientated because I bet you thought you were going to say one of my games of the year was Final Fantasy VII Remake. No, that didn't even make it into my honourable mentions. Cat Quest 1 and Cat Quest 2, I think combined I've probably got about 140 hours in beefy amounts of gameplay time I put into them over what is relatively simple story but it's just a really nice bright colourful game that you can play for a couple hours at a time not be too worried about and it's got all sort of the nice cat puns and dog puns around um, their language and stuff Um, yeah just fun little games I played for extended and extensive periods of time no, I've if got you nothing. are saying things, I cannot hear you. <laughs> I got, I got nothing. I got absolutely right. nothing. I'd love to say I'd love to follow up with more cats, but unfortunately, I haven't played Stray yet. I have Stray. I very kindly got a copy for Christmas, but I haven't played it yet. So maybe next year we'll be talking about more kitty cats. You'll be pleased to hear. 
because it's always good to talk about kitty cats. So, I I struggled a lot, partly because I didn't play many video games this year, and the video games I did play, I didn't put I put a lot of hours into because they were long games. So yeah, there was like anime girl simulator, weren't there? Funnily enough, tangentially, we are going to sort of talk about kitty cats, but not in the way you expect. Um, yeah, so this uh, started last year. I got COVID, which was very, very concerning for all involved. Once again, thank you very much, work colleagues, for that. Really enjoyed my two weeks in quarantine. These two week in quarantines were spent playing Code Vein. And you're going, Code Vein, what the fuck is Code Vein? So the best way of describing it is a Souls like game, but with anime. Yeah, it's Anime Girl Simulator. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite. So, this was released in September 2019. It was released for PlayStation 4, Windows, Xbox One. It got mixed reviews from critics, but it sold like 2 million copies in 2 years. To say that I really enjoyed this is an understatement. I put at least 40 to 50 hours into this Souls-like game. Those and are rookie numbers. I know, I know, considering you've got 120 hours in cat, 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 wolf, wolf, bark, growl simulator. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a challenge because it is a Souls-like game, and Souls-like games, Soulsborne games are... Tough is an understatement. Uh, challenging is also an understatement. So this had that in mind with it. So I really enjoyed the kind of dungeon crawling elements to it a lot of it I'm not gonna lie was just grinding I was grinding that anime boy for, for all he's worth I was just grinding and grinding until he said no I can't take it anymore and then I finished it but I really enjoyed it dungeon crawler type thing run around collecting I think they're memories I want to say not souls they're like blood memories or something doesn't matter. The, the shiny collectibles. The shiny shinies. Collecting them so like souls in the Soulsborne games. Use those to level up your characters, get new weapons, and upgrade your armors and things like that. But then also it's got the side thing of you've got to collect uh, tears from other, uh, other NPC characters to get to know their behind, behind backstories and things. So it there is a lot of gameplay there. A lot of it is nonsense. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really particularly pay a lot of attention to the story because a lot of it is garbled nonsense. But I really enjoyed it. If you like... Pina like Yeah, alright. If you like your um, Soulsborns but don't really fancy... Dancing in the rain. Jumping into a Soulsborn-esque a Soulsborne actual game. This is a pretty good entry point. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like it was absolutely amazing standout, and the reviews pretty much uh, say that, because the PS4 version currently, Metacritic is 70 out of 100, PC version 72 out of 100, and the Xbox One version 75 out of 100, so it didn't get particularly like fantastic scores, but I like I say, I I enjoyed it, and say I enjoyed kind of 
the visual aesthetics of it and you create your own character at the start. Really wish I made an anime cat girl, but instead I chickened out and made an anime boy instead. But I enjoyed it. It was nonsense. I killed some stuff. And it was satisfying when I killed that stuff. That's all I needed in a video game. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I think 2022 was the year of anime. Um, cause for me, yes. But for you, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, for me, for me, it was a Tuesday. But we don't have a TV section. If we had a TV section, I watched a lot of anime TV shows this year. But because we don't have a TV section, I can't really talk about them. So my next video game choice, and my video game, final video game choice, after all for referencing, after like 10 years, I've finally made some progress on Final Fantasy VII Original, um, which we talked about earlier in the year, to which I've now stopped playing again, so progress has stalled. Can you guess what my game of the year recommendation highlight actually is? Is it going to be the same as me? I somehow doubt it. I don't know. I, my, I don't honestly know, but hit me. My standout game of the year is 1996's Resident Evil Director's Cut on PlayStation 1. Fuck off. No, it's not. <laughs> which um, No, it's not. Fuck off. Which you permitted me to download on PS3 on your user account, and I completed that six times through back to back unlocking oh for god's sake everything like completed everything unlocked everything all the a ranks like just infinite rocket launches and and everything i really enjoyed that when you gave me the download code for that because it's the director's (laughs) cut with proper music not the not the wink wonk music I, I think that was like a three week period where that's all I played solidly just For getting God better sake. and better at it again that, that, that was all I needed and I, I wanted to take this opportunity to say that in our side order where we discussed it I mixed up some of the characters um, I kept calling the guy that got it by the snake Joseph that's actually Richard and I'm, I feel so bad that I kept getting that wrong it's Richard who gets bitten and eaten by Yawn the snake it's Forrest who dies outside, who gets eaten by the dogs in the intro cutscene. And then it's Forrest, who's the one who got pecked to death by crows on the balcony. I just needed to make that clarification distinction. And again, like this is a game from 1996, essentially. Uh, I haven't really given you gamer scores or anything, or Metacritic reviews for anything I've played or watched or consumed this year because I didn't have the foresight to consider that's a thing that would be of interest. But I'm going to assume this is 100% on every sort of critical <laughs> platform. Um, yeah, honestly, in terms of this year, thinking back in video games, what did I play and what's my standout? I think Resident it's Evil that. Resident Evil Director's Cut. Fuck, like, that's probably the worst thing I ever did this year, was give you a fucking download code for Resident Evil Director's Cut because it's a Resident Evil that arguably you've never played before but it's a Resident Evil classic you've never really played before yeah so I had the original Resident Evil and I played that once or twice through but I always preferred Resident Evil 2 which then meant I traded in god damn it game station Resident Evil the original Resident Evil and it's playing I played through then a Director's Cut at a later time 
but it had the terrible music, so I, ne I played it through once and never really stuck to it. Yeah, but being able to play the director's cut with the correct musical score was just so enjoyable. Um, if, if you want to hear more about the absolutely god-awful score that Matt is talking about, go back onto the podcast feed, and I've done an episode on it. Yeah, and you didn't ask for my opinions on it, and I was just shocked and outraged. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no. Again, this is another example, right? If if we now just draw a line under that and go, twenty twenty two. Like I went through my trophy list. I thought about what video games I'd played, and nothing else really stands out in my memories. Going, I want to talk about that. Genuinely, I I don't know if it's just me. And I, I know if we've been going to do this podcast for like the past three weeks, I've been thinking and thinking, and just nothing standing out. Wow! But like it's just how it is at the minute. I, I don't know what more to tell you other than over to you for your for your choice. Okay. No, that's that's a shame. Twenty twenty two has been a bit of a mech year for everything, really. But um, yeah, yeah. I. I struggled with this. I struggled and I struggled. I went, I, like you, I went from a trophy list. Um, the stuff, arguably, I've been playing more recently will probably come up next year. Um, I'm not going to say it's Fortnite, but it might be Fortnite. Yeah, you heard me. Um, but for this year, for 2022, though, um, I really thought you were going to shout this out. But... I really, really enjoyed and dug the hell out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Inspired by and based on a 1987 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, cartoon, or Hero Turtles if you're in the UK, uh, was released on Windows, Linux, uh, Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One in June 2022, and PlayStation 5 in November. Apparently it's coming out on iOS and Android at time of recording a couple of days ago by Netflix. Yeah, it's literally on everywhere and again I really enjoyed that game. Uh, I played that through I think once on co-op entirely because uh, I got stuck on the third level by myself because I suck and I think I played it online co-op with you but since then as great as it was I've not been back to it and I genuinely think that's got to be because there's a set number of levels there's a set amount of replayability and as much as diverse as all the playable characters are at the end of the day it's limited to two three buttons and because I suck at a 2D side scrollers I, I can't get good at them. There's just there's a there's an entry level point, and then I get up to a certain standard. But I can never get above that, which meant any time I wanted to play that game by myself, I was just so bad at it. And that's the reason why it doesn't. I haven't really gone back to it. I'd only go to it for for co-op reasons. I just can't. I don't know. I I don't know what more it could have done, but it just needed so more but i love like the art style of it i love the music in it being the 8-bit music or the actual audio song song music but yeah anytime i go back to play it by myself i just i just don't enjoy it 
It's kind of too good wind out of my sails now. <laughs> <laughs> the initial, when I initially played it, I loved it. Pure and simply because it's a throwback to that older style of video game. More specifically, it's a throwback to the old arcade cabinets that we always used to play when we went away to like Haven or, or seaside towns in the UK, wherever it was. And shoveling 20p coins, 50p coins, whatever it was at the time, into the arcade machine. And it gave me that, that feel... And that nostalgia of being young again and playing it, I can totally see your point again. Replayability is probably quite limited when you're on your own, but if you've got a group of friends or or whatever, I imagine it's been an absolute riot, you know? Um, I love the visual style of it. I love the gameplay. The gameplay is really simple, but it's addictive. Uh, the hub world maps, really clever, really cool, visually interesting plenty of collectibles to get on the way the music the music just slaps absolute fucking richard um but i love this game so so much and the recent update they've done to it has got me very excited to go back in because they've put a lot more game modifiers in it now and a lot more toggles and switches to make it appear more like an older style retro game and that kind of thing but this was a real breath of fresh air considering everything that's come before it you know most of the like double a triple a titles have been stuff like the last of us it's been like god of war or like horizon the new horizon and stuff like that it's all been really dark dour and depressing but to go back to a new game but it's given me that feel of being like seven or eight years old at an arcade at a seaside you know Every time I play it, I can like hear the sea. I can hear like fruit machines in the background. It just, it just gives me that feeling. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, a certain moment in time, and you're like, wow, this, this is, this is why I really got into video games. And what I love about them is like, yes, they can advance the the progression of storytelling as in like the last of us and like i said god of war they can make you feel things and they can make you they can make you laugh they can make you cry but at the end of the day pure and simply i just want something to have fun with and teenage mutant ninja turtle shredder's revenge is exactly that it gives me that hit of adrenaline and accomplishment when i beat a boss or when i beat a foot soldier you know or even like one of the mutants in one of the, like the later levels it just gives me that endorphin rush and it's like oh yeah that's that's kind of the stuff you needed you know and i wish more games would do that to kind of subvert because this easily could have been 3d action adventure exploratory hack and slash and that would have been fine but to have it in this 16-bit 32-bit style with all of this nostalgia around it as well um it's not perfect by any means because last time i played it there was a few bugs and i hope that they've been ironed out with this new update but just everything about it i just loved it was just i didn't know it was coming and it suddenly dropped on the PlayStation Store, and it's like, holy shit, what is this? And 
I loved it. I've got a lot of time for that game. And I want more like it. But we won't because people don't. Honestly, I enjoyed it. It's just, for me, video gaming is predominantly a solitary experience for the types of games I tend to steer towards, Case in Hand, Resident Evil. And I was getting similar emotions from Resident Evil to what you're getting from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I really did enjoy that game at the time. It was just any time I tried to play it by myself, yeah, my yeah, inability, no, totally my inability to get good or good enough to do some of the later levels by myself is what really has put me off going back to it. Like in terms of a co-op thing, absolutely, be it online or couch. But for a solitary playthrough by myself, I just can't can't play it, and that's the thing that stops me from going. Yep, that 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 gets a that gets a a placement on, on my top two, as it turns out mm. to be. Um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely. It's just I think that's the interesting thing when it comes to video games is I'm looking for something a little bit different to what you're looking for. And also this year, I pretty much, there's only two or three games that dropped this year within the year that I actually purchased. A lot of them, I'm just waiting for the price drop. Yeah. You referenced God of War. I still haven't purchased God of War 2 yet. Electric Boogaloo. Um, Electric Boogaloo, you reference Horizon. Well, I only got that for for Christmas. And again, I thought, chances are I'm going to get that for Christmas. So I didn't buy it at a point of release. So I'm I'm playing through that now, and I've probably put a, an ungodly amount of hours into it because that's what I like. But then that's a, a solitary single player experience I can just sit mm. and and abuse. So, but no, absolutely, TMNT was is is great. Uh, if if people want to come round, firstly, <laughs> you can't you you can't enter without invitation. But but secondly, that that would definitely be on rotation. Uh, mm. Absolutely. Similarly, with like the um, the PlayStation Link, the PS Link games, it's a they're a solid idea. But going back to them now, I I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't enjoy them. It's all about what sort of game you're going to play, how you're going to play it, and then your your environment or sit situation. So for me, a lot of the time. I need a solitary single player game because a multiplayer game or a couch co-op game is out of the question. Whereas PC game wise, I'm playing a lot more online co-op now, to which I'm playing a very different sort of game to what I normally would, and I'm quite enjoying yeah. that. But if I want to sit down after work, I need a good single player story driven thing to sit and play. Which is why I totally put loads of hours into Cat Quest Two, apparently. <laughs> That doesn't track, does it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think maybe that is perhaps the difference between, for you anyway, between console gaming and PC gaming? Yes, In that definitely. console gaming is that thing that we grew up with, so whenever you played it, it was always a solitary experience because we either didn't have enough money for another controller, there wasn't games that were multiplayer that we would want to play together, or like our tastes were completely different, so we wouldn't necessarily want to play stuff together anyway. Whereas with PC gaming, it's a completely new it's a completely new platform for you 
uh, within the last few years. So things have kind of opened out and the scope is a bit more wider. Do you, do you get what I mean? Uh, yes and no. So in terms of answering that, one of the reasons for, for consoles that's a limiting factor for co-op, well, you're either playing it online and you just don't get couch cot games anymore, really, unless they're like overcooked. But then overcooked just leads to divorces. <laughs> or um, they're like TMNT, which is good for short period of times, but you don't get a lot from it. Whereas on PC, you could pick literally from any genre going. And even if it's like a really old game, like really old game, you can just play it put a lot of hours into Age of Empires 2, Age of Empires 3. Those games at this point are so old, and yet there's still massive online communities with them on PC. You just don't get that with consoles, and I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, for example, with the Raft game, that is available on console to play, but the keyboard and mouse experience extrapolating all of those varying... Uh, crafting and other sub menus onto a joypad for playing it on a console would really hamper your experience and I can imagine it being aggravating Yeah. Um, for definite but then conversely on the PC I've also sat and played a load of Sherlock Holmes point and click third person uh, investigation games yeah. now some of those are available on console being the new the new, new, newest couple uh, for example uh, one of them was on PS Plus year before last, and it's great. But even on a controller, it's a bit clunky because there is a controller support, but you know deep down they're designed for mouse and keyboard, and they just control so much better on mouse and keyboard, which is an odd thing to say. So yeah, again, it even games that I really really like. So for example, you talk about a couple of years back. Resident Evil 8, I, I broke tradition and did not buy that for my PlayStation. I brought that on PC. I played that that way, and it was great. Twitch, now I'm going, why would I even stick with console at all for a lot of things? Someone's mm. been asking me all year, have I got PS5 yet? Have I got PS5 yet? And I'm like, no, why would I buy a PS5? Genuinely, why would I buy a PS5 when I can buy a PC? All the best games get ported to PC eventually. Mm. PlayStation ones take a bit longer, but they do now get ported. But the library's huge in comparison, and there's so many subgenres. Yeah. Like recently, I was tempted to buy a game about decorating your house. Work <laughs> that one out in your head. Yeah, house flipper. Just like, yeah. yeah, like, I want to buy a house, I want to do it up, I want to sell it on. I watch TV shows like that, for Christ's sake. Like, to sit and play a video game of it, brilliant. Don't tend to get stuff like that on console. So, again, it, it's just that... I think it's that either that... It's not so much that I'm older. It's not so much that work is destroying me. I think it's more... Because that's true. I think it's more just diversifying my tastes a little bit. Because also, my go-to games firstly aren't as available anymore they don't tend to make them as such and i'm just sort of being a little bit more experimental and also a bit more price conscious yes i could buy a triple a game triple a game the moment it releases or pre-ordering it 
and obviously there there should be rules against pre-ordering. Or <laughs> I can wait a bit, wait for it to drop down to a reasonable price, which I always do, and in the meantime enjoy some other things with the money I saved. No, that's that's a perfectly perfectly good point that you that you're making there. Like I say, it's I wish I could do con- I wish I could do PC gaming. I really, really do. I really do. I think I discussed this possibly on another podcast with someone else. I really wish I could, but I don't think I would. I don't think I would cope with it. Well, I don't know. I say once you've you've moved to a new location, uh, and you have an internet connection that is not powered by a potato. <laughs> um, yeah, I can e- I can easily set you up with uh, an entry level gaming rig, PC wise. And then introduce you to this marvelous thing called Steam. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe set a spend limit for you on your credit card or something. <laughs> but it's amazing that I can go onto Steam and I can look at games that are 10, 15 years old, download them, and maybe with a basic patch, just get them running. Like, yeah. Without having to dig out an old game console, without having to put too much effort in, I can just get an out, out an older title, and it will just run. Some of the Sherlock Holmes games are playing with point-and-click ones from, like, the late 90s. And you're, like, going, well, of course a powerful PC can run that. But it's completely different hardware. It's like trying to put a PS1 disc into your PS5. It just don't work like that. But on PC, people, if they like the title enough, spend the time to get it working so that that experience can continue. Or with online servers, they just make their own server. And you can just mm. continue playing these things and I and that's ended the thing up for me I also think this year that I watched a fuckload more TV than anything else which is probably <laughs> why I haven't spent like that much time on gaming or, or movies but then also on top of that I did a lot of books as well as that TV show of Bosch like that seven seasons I read every single Bosch book like every every single Bosch book yeah, I watched all of the Frost show again. I, I read the Frost books. I did the same with um, Jack Reacher TV show. Superb. If you haven't seen Jack Reacher, go see it. As for the books, over the last two years, I've read all of them. Uh, there's there's another one, Dr. Alex Cross, who is portrayed by Morgan Freeman in some movies, and then Tyler Perry. Um, I've read about 75% of those books and I've only stopped recently because I realised that I was just binging these books and consuming them and not really doing anything else other than just consuming them like I need to slow down a bit I'm getting a bit of a problem here uh, <laughs> but I read so many books last year as well on top of everything else it's it's impressive Snake <laughs> I would like to say that there is another video game that I've I've picked, but I mean, sure. Is, is there? Is there? Has you not done three? I haven't done three. That was two. And then we went off on a tangent. <laughs> What's your third one? Just cut all of that. What's your third one? My third one... It's one I played on stream this year, funnily enough. Um, and it's not Sonic Frontiers. I wanted to put Sonic Frontiers. I really, really wanted to. I've tried so hard. Time of recording, I've done several streams this year. 
I want to like it. I really, really do. I want to like Sonic Frontiers, but I'm a, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm hate playing it now. <laughs> no, no, no. Hear me out. Right? Is the thing there are really good elements in there. There are elements in there that I that I enjoy, but then there are other bits that just it just doesn't work. It's just broken, and it's just. So I didn't pick Sonic Frontiers, thankfully. I will probably talk about it on a side order at some point. I don't know. We will see. So my my last pick is a game that I have played on stream. I didn't finish it for whatever reason. I don't know why. Probably like most things, should probably go back to. We we will see. So this is a 2001 Vidigum. So please insert ridicule here. Ha ha, you're old. Ridicule has been inserted. So I want to take you back to 2001... And it is actually Resident Evil adjacent, funnily enough. Excellent. Dino Crisis, then? Uh, no. So, ah. this game was originally conceived as Resident Evil 4. However, there was a lot of staff at Capcom went, no, this, this shouldn't be Resident Evil and should be its own thing. And there were a couple of bugs that they found in Onimusha Warlords that made it over into this game series and that game series is Devil May Cry and I've been playing I played Devil May Cry 1 HD on stream this year and I love that game so much Devil May Cry is a third person action adventure which is kind of loosely based on the divine comedy by uh, ironically Dante which is the main character, and uh, yeah, he's like a demon hunter, demon slayer, who's part demon himself, goes to the fictional Mallet Island, and he's uh, son of Sparta, and um, yeah, he kills shit, and he yeah. shoots stuff, and he slashes yeah. stuff, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really good, it's really fun. I like the first one more than the than the sequels because it's still got that exploratory element to it, where it was originally conceived as a Resident Evil game it's got a lot mm. more exploring places to find where to go but it's still got the action elements in it but I like the exploratory element of trying to figure out where to go where certain items go and but finding the secret missions and the locations and the boss fights are huge and they're memorable like the set pieces like the Lava Lantula thing uh, which has a name, I can't remember what it's called. It's a fucking tarantula made of lava. It's a lava lantula. Fucking sue me. It's not aged badly. Some of the voice acting now is a bit corny and it's a bit ropey, but to be honest, I kind of expect it because of given how that game is, it, it kind of leans heavily into the, the charm of... Capcom. Yeah, it's Capcom. Yeah. It's going to have bad voice acting. Yeah, and it kind of leans heavily into it, and I've really enjoyed that. Should probably go back and finish it. Definitely want to do an episode with you on Devil May Cry 2, though, because, oh, boy, that game is a piece of shit. Yeah, that Devil May Cry 2 is bad. Uh, like, it is. If you want to make it, if you want to make it, it a challenge, you just no gun playthrough. Yeah, I finished Devil May Cry 2. I did both scenarios. I didn't do it this year. I did it a couple of years back. Why? <laughs> because Why? I'm a glutton for punishment. I got the trilogy... HD remaster. I was like, I've done number one, 
I'm going to play number two, and I wondered how different the two scenarios were, and they they're just not. They're, they're not. They're identical. They're not. Yeah, that was one of the big issues with it. Yeah, can't really get on with three, but that first one, I can put in, and I can go back to it, and it just it just hits a spot for me that I didn't know that I had. Is it possibly nostalgia because that must have been one of the first PS2 titles? we either played or purchased is that a nostalgia factor within there did nostalgia strike i mean it may have done because i know you had the demo with it with um resident co-veronica x and i remember playing the demo more than definitely i played you play co-veronica no i need to get you a fucking stream that it's great just as a side note it's on the wii it's ready it's loaded. I just need to find time to play it. I've got some annual leave coming up, so maybe I'll play it then and try and yeah, get through it. Yeah, yeah. Do it then. Provided Sonic doesn't drag me away, because again, I'm aggressively hate playing Sonic. Yeah. Honestly, I need to go into it now. It's it's on my mind. I need no, no, to, I need no, to clear no, the air. No, no, you don't. No, no. You don't. it's fine. No. I'm just no, with for, for the listeners. We've been going for two hours twenty. And I'm getting bored. And <laughs> <laughs> go, go! I tell you what: if you want to hear more about my thoughts of well, watch the stream, Frontiers, watch, what? watch the str- watch me streaming it because I whine and bitch. Tell me, Dave. Here's here's our segue chance. Right? Are you ready? Keep an eye out. You might miss it. Where can we watch you stream? Oh well, if you go on Twitch and it's twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast, you will find the twitch page there and there is a couple there should be some archive streams on there uh, of recent streams of me playing including sonic has gun legs and uh sonic is related to lightning mcqueen because that's my thing now apparently excellent now tell me is there anywhere else on the internet where people might be able to find us and and do certain things do you know what if you do want to find us on on tinternet get on that tinternet and go to twitter if it's still a thing, because I don't know at this point, we're still on there. We're at anyone podcast on there. You can uh, go on Facebook as well, because that's another cesspit of a website. We're on there as well. Give us a like. Leave a comment, for God's sake. I go on there, and there's still no comments. It's ridiculous. Leave a comment on there, please. Interaction, it's good. If you did want to interact with us, but you went, nah, social medias are a bit shit... I want to send an email. You, you can send an email at anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. Sorry, I was just I was just thinking about writing a letter with a byro. Oh no, you you can do that. My 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 mind had literally just started drifting off into the olden days. <laughs> Listeners, let us know in any of those formats. When was the last time you wrote a letter? On, on physical paper with a writing implement and you put it in the post. When there weren't strikes. Well, not all of our listeners will have postal services striking. No, that's just this cursed country. Anyway, uh, what yeah. you should do though, Matt, because I bet you yeah. haven't, and you should probably do it now, go you should on go on your podcast platform provider of choice, right? Of choice, yeah. Which could be like Apple Podcasts, it could be Acast, it could be like Podcast Addict, it could be Pocket Cast. Go on to one of those, right? 
or even go on Anchor yeah. or Spotify. Go on there. Yeah, yeah. You see the five yeah. star button. Yeah. Uh, you see it? No. No. When you go on ratings, no. you, you find the ratings button ratings. and you leave us a five star review on on that platform because then what it does is it helps engagement because engagement is number one this year. Oh, I can't actually find on my podcast platform of choice how to do a rating. Well, for the sake of argument, for the sake of argument, you can, and you're going to leave us a five star rating review of choice because not only is it engagement, it helps us. It helps us propagate. Fuck's sake. It helps us grow the podcast and we can reach more ears. We can keep doing silly stuff like this. Oh, it's the anniversary episode. We don't talk about it, but you can do a donate as well, which is why I've got this very lovely new microphone. Thank you very much for the donations. Uh, if you do want to do that, it is streamlabs.com forward slash anyone podcast. I believe. Yes, I believe. I and believe, then you can. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, it's not. Ah. It's not mandatory. I don't talk about it very often, if at ah. all. And you can do that. Believe. Helps us go into the running of the show and buying content for us to cover and all that sort of good stuff. Help fund Dave's gaming PC twenty twenty three. No. <laughs> No, it will go towards weird shit like DK bongos and weird films that I can't find anywhere. Yes, I have Donkey Konga bongos. Essentially, any money you donate is going to fund Dave doing a charity shop run. <laughs> yes, yes, that's probably more like it. Is. I do want to get some more Uwe Boll films because I have a plan. I've got two already. We, we do. We do need to hate watch those. We do. I've got two already. I need money. I need. Not only do I need money, but I need to find more. And yeah, I'm not paying full price. Anyway, <laughs> we've we've gone off point a little bit. We've been going for two hours now, over two hours. Yeah, and, and in terms of the edit, about 20 minutes. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, we will see you all next week for we? the proper anniversary episode. Oh. Where we do the Q and A, and uh, talk about the year in podcasting, uh, we should probably leave people with like a bit of music or a clip or something. We normally do. Um, any ideas? It's got to be something from the Batman then, because that's I think the only thing we talked about with any seriousness. <laughs> um, yeah, got to be in it. We've used it before, but we'll do it again. We'll leave you with a bit of music by the legendary Michael Giacchino from the Batman. Well, I'll tell you what then. Don't leave the track we discussed. Leave a different piece from that film. If I can find something, I'll chuck it in. Consider it done. Yeah. Yeah, or don't. So, or just, just play anything. See what I care. <laughs> he's lost it. He's gone now. He's walked off. He's, he's had enough. He doesn't care. Right. Anyway. As we always say, we'll see you next week for the proper anniversary episodes, but just want to say thanks again. Stay safe. You got this. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, city. Bye, sweep. Bye.